Hi, welcome to Exploring the Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and this is episode number 207, How the Laws of Nature Make Free Will Impossible, part two. If you notice, we, we did this, you know, part one of this episode last week. We're going to continue with it because, as I explained last week, this may be the way of explaining why we don't have a free will that finally resonates with people. I mean, we've been doing this, you know, show since, um, taping it since November of 2010, okay? It's been on the air since like January of 2011. It'll be like six years in this upcoming January. And again, over 200 episodes. And, you know, I mean, some, some people have gotten it. Actually, there's been several, um, cover stories on this. The, the first cover story on what, on the, you know, challenging this notion of free will came like by um, New Scientist magazine in 2011, I believe. And that was followed by um, a cover story. This is a cover story first ever by Scientific American Mind in 2012. And um, one other one, one other cover story, um, Philosophy Now, I think just this last year came out with a cover story um, what you call it? Um, you know, challenging free will. Um, and actually, no. There's one more. BBC Focus, another like just general um, magazine from the UK, refuted it. I think earlier this year, maybe last year. I don't know. But anyway, so like you know, so our our program, and we also have a meetup in Manhattan. We also have a live call-in show in Manhattan. You know, I work with on this with a, a group of friends. We have a podcast that we. Um, that we air every week. We record it every Sunday, sometimes on Saturday also. And so we've been doing this a long time. We try to kind of like come up with ways of explaining why free will is impossible. And, you know, like obviously we haven't sealed the deal because like, you know, they're not teaching this in school yet. They're not, it's not, this should, this, this is, all right. Why is this big? Um, John Searle, or just as an, an example of, 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 you know, the bigness of this. John Searle is an eminent American philosopher, okay? He's like eminent, I mean, like they did a survey back, I think, around 2010. And out of all the philosophers who were born after two, um, 1900, um, he, um, he ranks number 13th, I think, in terms of how many times he's cited by other philosophers in the encyclopedia, the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, okay? So this guy is like, you know, He's pretty, pretty well respected, and he was interviewed for a book by psychologist Susan Blackmore called Conversations on Consciousness that was published in 2005. And Susan Blackmore asked him, you know, like, if, if our world came to accept that free will is an illusion, what would that mean? And his response was, and I'm quoting, that would be a bigger revolution than Einstein or Copernicus or Galileo or Newton or Darwin. It would alter our whole conception of our relation with the universe, end quote. That's how big this is. This is a bigger revolution in thinking than, than Einstein's relativity. Because Einstein's relativity, for example, it tells you that, like, you know, the faster an object moves, the, the, the more time slows down, you know, like this twin paradox and stuff. And, um, and there are other, like, for example, like, we used to think that we were the center of everything, 
<laughs> All right, now we realize we're the center, that the sun is the center of our solar system, and we're just like a teeny, teeny little galaxy, um, not, you know, just like in this vast expanse of universe. So basically there have been other major revolutions in human thought. I think the, the other one I think that maybe like is almost as big as this, and it's somewhat related, is when Freud kind of like, he didn't introduce this concept, because this concept was known well before Freud, but he, he explained it to the extent that it was finally accepted, and that's the idea that we have an unconscious. Okay, you know, there's a part of us that we're not aware of that, um, that stores all, all our memories, that, you know, we're not aware. And incidentally, I've done shows on this on, you know, why the existence of the unconscious makes free will impossible. Now, Freud, I think, I don't know, Freud didn't believe in free will, you know, as, as, as I mentioned earlier. But um, I don't think he wanted to, like, in other words, this, this, this concept of an unconscious was so revolutionary and so, like, subject to, to disbelief and to challenge and all. It was, it was a huge step for us, you know. And that he didn't, I don't think he, want, he didn't want to, like, try to reach too far. I'm guessing, you know, I'm guessing, like, if he would have come out with, like, yes, there, we have an unconscious, and that means there's no free will. And if, I mean, he said that a few times, but he didn't go with it. But I have a feeling that if he would have gone with it, then that might have, like, jeopardized his, his important work on the unconscious, which is used in, 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 in medicine and therapy and stuff. But, all right, so anyway, so, like, you know, um, this is the biggest revolution in human thinking ever, and we've been trying for about six years to get this across to the world, but and even though we've had some success, my guess is we just haven't like come across and the two things. We haven't come across the right way of explaining, and the second thing is that, you know, things take time. There's like, I think the uh, physicist, his name, I think if I'm correct, is Linus Pauling. Um, no, no, maybe somebody Pauli. Um, I don't know, a quantum physicist, you know, early 1900s, he, he was quoted as saying that, that science progresses one funeral at a time, meaning as the old people, like, you know, who are fixed in their ideas die off, you know, people, like these old people who are, like, challenging the ideas, the younger people, you know, aren't subject to the same prejudices, the same misinformation, and they get it. That's how science progresses. So, like, it may be with this free will thing that it will take, you know, Regardless of how well I explain it or my friends explain it, it, it might take another 10 years, you know, for people to get it. I hope, hope it doesn't take any longer than that because we've actually done shows how, like, free will belief contributes to climate change denial. I know that sounds kind of, like, abstract, and, but, like, if you go to um, Exploring Illusion of Free Will, causalconsciousness.com, which is the website of this show... Actually, no, you go to, go to YouTube because, you know, I, I turned it over to Chandler and he hasn't updated it completely, you know, with, with the new episodes. But go to YouTube and just like um, keyword, um, keyword, I guess, exploring the illusion of free will. And all right, again, I, I, you know, I, I was going someplace with this and I just lost my, I didn't, I didn't get that much sleep last night, I guess. I don't, but again, I don't have free will. So like, you know, I was going, <laughs> I forgot what, what the point is. So all right, so like if you go to that site, you will see, oh yeah, all right, so I got it. Okay, you will see how I've done several uh, episodes on the free will belief climate change denial connection. And, and in 2014, I actually published a book. Uh, you can get it on Kindle for like 99 cents or a dollar or something. It's called 
free will, colon, its refutation, societal cost, and role in climate change denial, where I explain this. So this isn't an insignificant, you know, matter. But anyway, you know, we're like already at the seven-minute marker, seven minutes more to go, and so like, let me continue, let me again explain how the laws of nature make free will completely impossible. Okay. First, that, you know, we start with this unequivocal, unassailable, irrefutable, uncontested fact that the laws of nature control everything. Okay, now think about it. What did I just say? The laws of nature control everything. Okay, and there's some laws that we know, like gravity and the second law of thermodynamics and some chemical laws. And there's some laws that remain yet unknown. But so like we can say, yes, the laws of nature, both known and unknown in principle, and you know, this is verified by so much empirical evidence in science, physics, chemistry, and all, control everything, okay? Again, the laws of nature control everything. Now, this is basic logic, okay? I'm not like, this isn't like advanced science. Think about it. If, because the laws of nature control everything, that means that we, we human beings, don't control anything. Okay, this belief in free will says that it's up to us, you know, what we think, what we feel, what we say, what we do. You know, the, the belief in free will says that, like, you know, nothing is making us do anything that's not under our control. Okay? Well, you know, no, the laws of nature are controlling everything, so nothing is up to us. Okay, basic logic. Now, it shouldn't take our world's greatest thinkers to, to have to figure this out for us because, um, because it is so basic. But, you know, if you want, like, some kind of, like, probabilistic evidence, in, meaning that, like, it's probably true that they're right, and if you believe in free will, you're wrong. <laughs> um, Charles Darwin, Sigmund Freud, and Albert Einstein, probably our world's greatest minds, along with probably... Um, um, Isaac Newton, you know, they all got this. And Newton didn't make a statement about this that I know of, but I, I doubt he believed in free will. So anyway, you have three, these, these top scientific minds all refuting free will. Trust me, free will is a complete illusion. We've done a lot of shows on why this is important, but I just want to like, you know, again, go, go to the website, Exploring Illusion Free Will. There are like at least 180 episodes that you can access from the site or just, you know, Google Exploring the Illusion of Free Will um, or YouTube, and you'll, you'll see all the episodes are online. But we, we've done a lot of shows on why this is important, why it matters a lot. But I want to continue in this show with this one basic theme. And, and I'm going to repeat it again because, like, you know, the, perhaps you didn't get it last time, perhaps you didn't get it last week, maybe you'll get it now. Okay. Uncontroversial basic standard science. The laws of nature control everything. The physical laws of nature control everything. There's a physical universe. And you know, like, I mean, like some people say, well, not everything is physical. Some things are spiritual. Some things are non-material. I mean, there's, there's several ways to refute that. 
One being that, well, if you make a, a decision, a spiritual, quote-unquote spiritual decision at a certain moment in time, all of a sudden, as Einstein explained, you know, space and time are not separate from each other. They're, you know, you have to, they're, they're, they're one reality. So, like, if something's happening in a moment in time, it's also, it has to be happening in space, and that makes it part of the physical universe. But I think another way of, of explaining this relative to this show, to this explanation, is that... We could say that both the physical laws of nature and whatever quote-unquote spiritual laws of nature there might be control everything. I happen to be a materialist. I happen to believe that what's spiritual is, what we refer to as spiritual is simply that which we haven't been able to identify, you know, physically. Our technology isn't, you know, up to it or whatever. But anyway, the basic, the basic point here is that the laws of nature control everything. Control, okay? That means that they determine it. They make what happens happen. Nothing can happen that the laws of nature don't want to happen or prohibit from happening or don't allow to happen, okay? The laws of nature are like God, all right? So you have the laws of nature controlling everything. Ask yourself, if the laws of nature control everything, how are you or we controlling anything. Absolutely impossible, you know. Um, and that's it. So, like, you know, I reached this epiphany, um, when was it, about a week ago or so? I posted it on Daily Coast, this political site, then I posted it on my um, blog, Exogenous Agency, at WordPress.com, whatever. And um, so I, I explained it there, but... Um, but now, you know, we're going to do episodes. This is like the second in a series of three. And we may want to go six episodes because, like, you know, right now we're going through the basic, um, you know, theme in, in broad strokes. But, um, but, you know, like maybe Chandler will want to get into more of, like, what are the laws of nature? And I, I certainly could do a bit more research on this because, you know, the, the idea behind this is, like, you may have to hear this 10 times, 20 times before it gets through your need to believe that you have a free will. Because the reason, the reason you don't get this is because you have this, you know, you're probably saying to yourself, oh, no, we've got to have a free will because, like, you know, if we don't have a free will, my God, the world wouldn't make sense. That's kind of like saying, well, you know, the world has to be flat because if it was an orb, the people on the bottom would fall off. You know, let's say before people understood gravity, okay? It's so like people need things to make sense, and they feel uncomfortable when they don't. But if you hear this 10, 20 times, you might get how, um, why free will is impossible. All right, I've got about 27 seconds left. So um, now we're going to hear from Chandler, who's going to hopefully explain this better than I have, or in different ways, or to appeal to different people, so that, like, you know, you'll understand this more clearly, and, um, yes, all right. So, like, all right, here's Chandler Klebs in, from Lee's Summit, Missouri. Take it away, Chandler. Hi, I'm Chandler Klebs, and I'm here again talking about how the laws of nature make free will impossible. And I would encourage you to go back and look um, at, the, at the first um, video I recorded on this topic because... I spent, I spent a quite a bit of time defining free will and defining what a law of nature is. But here's the important thing to understand is basically um, there are implications 
in your worldview, your belief system when it comes to the laws of nature. Because in the first video, I talked about the laws of nature. Humans can't control them. They can't speed or slow down the earth. They can't change. They can't make gravity stronger or weaker. They can't, you know, um, make such a thing as hot ice. You know what I mean? It's like th there's some things that nature works a certain way. The universe or the world reality, whatever you call it. You could call it reality. You could call it science. You, whatever you call it. Um, you know, I, I call it the universe or nature, and George calls it God, and this is what's interesting. I think George is going to like this. Okay, and here's why. Because um, one of the biggest debates that people have in this world has to do with God. Okay, it has to do with the existence of God. And this is where it gets interesting, because now, since I said in the first video that humans can't change or alter a law of nature, they cannot, you know, they can't just change the way reality works to be however they want. They, and just like I said, they can't make the world random if it's if it's completely causal, and they can't make it completely causal or deterministic if there was a causal indeterminism in the world. So that's the that's the important thing to understand is humans can't do that. But then along will come a theist, for example. And they'll say, well, God can control the laws of nature. God can change a law of nature. Well, here's the fun part. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun, funny thing, but here's the important thing to understand. If you believe in God, whatever type of God it is, whether it's the Christian, the Muslim, or one of the Hindu gods, or the pantheist or acutheist God that George proposes, um, that doesn't give you a free will. And so I'm going to explain how the laws of nature, or God in this case, uh, let's, let's call it the laws of God in this case, um, if, if God is nature, synonymous with nature or the universe. Well, here's the interesting part, is that even, okay, what you, this is tricky because you cannot control or choose what God does. That's the important thing to understand is that I think most theists would agree is that you cannot you cannot choose, you cannot control God to make God do what you want. Which is a little bit interesting because a lot of religions also include prayer as part of part of their religion where it's them begging um, God to change things that they don't like, which is interesting because it kind of goes along with the idea that God is all-powerful, yet they think that they have power to change God's plan or whatever. <laughs> but anyway, I don't want to get too off-topic. The main point is that humans and other animals, for, for that matter, this isn't limited just to humans, but it's mostly going to be humans who are, who are listening to this video. So I'm just going to stick with humans for now. Humans don't get c control. They don't get such a thing as a free choice or free will because the term is so contradictory. I mean, that's just it. I mean, let's take the fact like the hedonic imperative or whatever you call it, where we seek pleasure and avoid pain. Things make us feel good, we keep doing them. 
And if things make us feel bad, we tend to avoid them. You know, we, we run away from fire because we know that it will burn and hurt us. All it takes is just getting burnt once in your life, and you know fire hurts, so you tend to avoid it. Um, so that's just it. So naturally, we want to avoid pain, and we want to seek pleasure, and this is an obvious fact. I mean, this is evident. I mean, and if you – and if you, it's kind of funny because if someone tries to disagree with me on that and say, well um, – uh, and say, well, there, there are – uh, masochists who like feeling pain. I'm like, well, if you like feeling pain, then pain is pleasure for you. That's it's like you've turned the whole thing around. But it's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, that's the point. Is that there's still some cause or law of nature behind everything we do. And here's here's the key part. Um, one example that I would like to use for this video is that the laws of nature and the debates about the laws of nature have a lot to do with people's disagreements and their debates over the existence of God. Because, you know, I've listened to debates about the existence of God for some time, and here's what's, what gets interesting about it. Each person, you know, has a different causal history. And so based on what they were taught since they were little children, they were – most of them were taught some form of religion. Most of the time they stick with it. Um, but a lot of the times what we have is people, they are aware of different aspects of the universe, and so they have different opinions about the age of the earth. They've got different opinions. They've got – you've got creationists versus um, – people who believe evolution, you know, you've got all these disagreements and debates about reality. But what are they arguing about? They're arguing about reality. They're arguing about what the laws of nature are. But in a sense, to fight with each other about the laws of nature is – okay, it's a little funny because the one thing they're all in agreement on is that there are laws of nature. They're in agreement that there's a way the world works. It's just that they – like you, ha you can have two people or more who from the, from the time they were toddlers, their family and their culture taught them different things. One person says, well, the earth is flat. The other person says the earth is round. One person has a culture that says, oh, God doesn't exist. The other person has a culture that says God does exist and he created the earth 6,000 years ago. You know, So that's the whole point is that people aren't even choosing their beliefs about nature or the laws of nature. People don't even choose what their religious beliefs or scientific beliefs or whatever you call it. People don't even choose what they believe, which I think is a very important thing to understand. Because it helps you not get so um, angry at people when they believe differently than you. And this is very this is very difficult for people to understand because on one hand, they think each person is entitled to have different beliefs and that we must respect each other's beliefs about whether God exists or not or whether evolution is true or all these different um, debates that people have. But at the same time, they try to use scientific or logical or religious arguments 
to force people to believe their way. <laughs> and this is kind of interesting because, I mean, I guess, okay, some of this, and this is just speculation, okay? So don't take this too seriously, what I'm about to say, but this is my, this is just way I see it, okay? My opinion, which I didn't choose. I didn't choose this opinion, okay, people? Okay, so the important thing to understand is that people, okay, they don't choose what they believe because they don't choose their past. They don't choose what their senses observe. But they want to believe that their idea of reality is right. And I think what happens is when somebody else has a different idea about reality, it threatens them. Like, because then they think, well, I want to be right. I want to have the right idea of reality. And so if somebody else disagrees, I have to prove them wrong. And what I've been realizing the last few years is, no, you don't necessarily have to prove them wrong. You know what I mean? Because it's sort of like, can you live your life and find your happiness even if other people disagree with you? And that's something I've been thinking about recently. But for the most part, when somebody tries to convince somebody that something is true or false, there's a reason behind it. Don't look, don't just listen to what the person's saying. Listen to or investigate the reason why they're saying it. For example, there are people who who agree um, with, with George and I and, and the other free will skeptics or whatever, and they say, oh yeah, free will doesn't exist, but they will say, but if we tell people they don't have free will, then they're going to go all kill and rape and steal all the time, which is weird. Which It's an argument from adverse consequences, but there are people who's, who are fine with keeping an illusion and lying in order to keep people acting the way they want them to. But yeah, I don't yeah, I hope I didn't get too off topic there, but the point is people have emotional biases. They have moral and other reasons why not only do they believe something, but why they have a desire to convert other people to their belief system. And I think this is observable and demonstrable that you've got people debating these issues. People debate political and religious and scientific viewpoints all the time. And you know what? I think it's good. But one final thing I want to say is that we will not make progress as long as we're believing in free will. Because if we do, we're going to blame people for having the wrong opinions. You chose to believe the wrong thing. And <laughs> so it's... So anyway, yeah, I, I hope I didn't get too off topic. And George and I will be covering more of these topics in future episodes. So I hope that this was educational and you learned something about, you know, why people do what they do. That's what I'm interested in. And that's why I'm part of this no free will movement, if you can call it that. Thank you for listening and goodbye.